Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, where you'll get the latest trends and legal business initiatives that help you manage your law firm every day. Hear from the experts setting the standards for legal, insurance, compliance, and tools of the profession. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Here's the host of the Legal Toolkit, Jared Correa. Oh, welcome to another brand new episode of the Legal Toolkit on Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening in. I'm Jared Correa, Law Practice Advisor with the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, uh, LOMAP for short, which provides free and confidential consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on my program, visit our website at masslomap.org or like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash masslomap. Before we start, I'm going to take a minute to uh, thank one of our sponsors, Clio, for web-based law practice management. For more information, visit goclio.com. On the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so your practices will become more and more like best practices. And this month is no different. Uh, We're going to talk about an important subject today. In light of the tornado damage sustained around the country of late, uh, we're going to talk today about disaster recovery and disaster planning in the context of lawyers and law firms. And to do that, I'm going to welcome my guest today, Attorney Norino J. Petro, Jr., who is the Practice Management Advisor for the Law Office Management Assistance Program of the State Bar of Wisconsin. He's a former practicing attorney who also formed a company which provided technology consulting to lawyers. Norino is a certified consultant on several law office software products and also writes the excellent blog, Norino Petro's CompuJurist, which can be found at CompuJurist.com. Norino, welcome to the show, the Legal Toolkit. Jared, thanks for having me. Great. Um, and we'll just dive right into the discussion. I think it's a really important issue, and you're the guy to address these questions, I think. Uh, so let's start. Um, if you're a lawyer or a law firm uh, that's been affected by a natural disaster, like a tornado, what are some of the steps that need to be taken to get a business back up and running as quickly as possible? Well, I, there's a number of things, and if, especially if you haven't already got a plan in place, something you need to be thinking about is how are you going to reestablish communications with your staff and your clients? I mean, there's the usual steps of assessing any damage to your property and notifying your insurance carrier, finding out if utilities are available and things. But we also need to be thinking about what we need to do to get that office back up and running. So I think the first thing that needs to be done is you need to reestablish communications within your firm if you've got multiple staff. Now, ideally, you've plan for this ahead. But one of the things to remember is that oftentimes in natural disasters, the typical forms of communication don't always work. Mm-hmm. Cell phone systems will generally go down for some period of time or they'll become overloaded. Um, you know, with people trying to get through, uh, you may be better to try text, uh, may have a better chance. It takes less bandwidth. And so it eases the burden on the cell network. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a good old traditional plain old telephone service, you know, pick up the phone. But if that's not keep, if that's not possible, then how else are you going to get a hold of them? Are you going to try to go to their homes? Are you going to post a notice somewhere? Maybe if it's a disaster where the roads aren't completely impassable, you'll post a notice on the office door if that's available. Or maybe you have other arrangements made where you'll post on, you know, the the bulletin board at the local disaster. Um, headquarters. But those are the first things I think you need to do is is communicating uh, with your staff. Then I think you need to uh, take 
uh, stock of the status of your your data and your documents. Uh, mm-hmm. Ideally, if your office hasn't been physically affected, this isn't a situation uh, that is impossible to overcome. It's just a matter of making sure your utilities are back on and you're able to get to the office. Yep. But the thing is, you can't assume that you're going to be able to get back to the office. There may be down power lines. There may be leaking gas lines. Roads may be impassable. So, you know, you need to have some way of continuing your practice outside of the office until you're able to get back down there. So you've got to be thinking about that. So you may have to secure temporary office space. It could be something as simple as working from your home. Uh, in an, yep. on an extra room in the basement or going to another attorney's office or even a client's office. Don't overlook going to a client's office uh, to get back up and running temporarily uh, and to be able to access the Internet and your other information that you may need. Mm-hmm. You're also going to need to make sure that you've got the basic technology to function, whether it's in the office or if you're unable to get to the office, to be able to, to, to temporarily resume operations. Now, the nice thing is that most lawyers today have a notebook of some kind, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's a great thing. You can grab it and go. Uh, yeah. But you may need more than that. Uh, your files may be stored physically at your office on your computers. Well, you may have to be able to try and get that information. But if you can't get the physical servers, uh, are you going to be able to pull the drives? And once you've got them, you're going to be able to, you need to be able to read that information. uh, So you've got to plan for that. Um, Give notice to the clients if possible. And this is something where if your firm has a website, especially if it's hosted by a company outside of the area, the one beautiful thing we have found about the internet is since it was originally designed to allow communications in the event of such calamities as nuclear war, uh, <laughs> it is pretty robust and many people will be able to access the internet. Put up a notice on the front page of your website. Talk to your clients and say, you know, if you ever need to know what's going on with the firm, you always want to check the front page of our website. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the initial steps um, that yep. you you need to be looking at. Great points there, Noreeno. Tremendous. Um, so, yeah, and you bring up planning. So there's oftentimes two types of law firms, <laughs> those who have planned for the disaster and those who have not. Uh, during the second half of the podcast, we'll talk about how to plan for a potential disaster. But if a firm, you talked about uh, having files and getting access to those. If a firm hasn't backed up their data, is there anything they can do or are they totally out of luck following a disaster? <laughs> Well, since we want to stay upbeat, we'll, we'll assume that there are some <laughs> things that, uh, that we can do. Yep. You know, here's, here's the thing. Uh, remarkably, uh, computers are pretty robust as long as they haven't been submerged in water uh, mm-hmm. or they haven't been melted by fire. So if you can get to them, even if the physical computer itself is inoperable, you very well may be able to get the drives and to get your data off of them uh, by mm-hmm. putting them into another system. But I think whether or not, if you don't have a plan, if you haven't, if you haven't had that foresight, you still need to follow, I think, the same basic steps as if you had a plan, although it is going to be difficult. It will be much more difficult, um, especially if the data or documents that you have have been damaged or destroyed. Yep. You know, yep. one of the things that a lot of people don't 
understand, and I mean, I've seen this firsthand. I was deployed to the Mississippi River in 1993 with the Illinois Guard to see how destructive a flood, especially, and especially with what's going on uh, in uh, the Missouri River and everything today, how, how damaging it can be. And one thing I can tell you is that water and paper are not a good combination. And, and Usually, the problem is it isn't just plain water. It's water mixed with mud and oil and other nasties that I'll let your imagination fill in the blanks. But the bottom line is what this does is it contributes to rapid mold and mildew growth on the paper. Mm -hmm. It's a great incubator. Um, And so the key is if your files have become wet and you're able to get to them, um, to the extent that it hasn't been dirty water, uh, if you can separate the sheets, hang them from a clothesline, uh, you can iron individual pages, use a hair dryer on them uh, for uh, books and things. You can even microwave them, of course, after you've removed all metal clips, staples, or bindings from them. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, but, but the reality is that oftentimes you don't have that luxury. Uh, and your goal then should be not to try to resurrect the documents at a time, but to prevent further damage. And one of the best things you can do in that um, that case is to literally put the bags, in, put the papers in that in garbage bags, and then freeze them. Deep freezes refrigerators, freezers. Uh, If you've got a lot of documents, uh, I've had clients make arrangements to get um, freezer trailers uh, Hmm. from uh, truck companies. But the idea is that you get them in the bags, you get them in the freezer, and you freeze them because the freezing suspends further growth of the mold and mildew, and it basically puts these documents in stasis until you can deal with them properly. Um, because it's a, it's a major chore, and you may not, in fact, be able to recover them, but you, you need to do that um, yep. to at least try to be able to recover some of that information. The other that thing was pretty upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing you need to consider is if the, if the computers have been damaged or destroyed, you may need to rebuild that data. I mean, if, you're, if your hard drives have uh, been submerged, uh, the worst thing you can do is to try to pull those drives and start them right away. All of that stuff needs to be rinsed off with clean water. It needs to be given sufficient time to dry. And then you need to try to reconstruct uh, that data and possibly install it in, in uh, new systems or rebuild the existing systems if possible. Mm-hmm. The reality is... Uh, and, and and we all are procrastinators at heart. Uh, I've yet to meet a lawyer who isn't. But one of the things that every lawyer really needs to have in mind is in the, is what we called in the Army your goth plan. And that was your go to Hades plan. That was the plan <laughs> that, um, you know, you have no other option. It looks like the world is about to end. What are you going to do? And you need to have arrangements for that absolutely critical data, that stuff that you absolutely couldn't recreate if you had to uh, and be able to access it. But the bottom line is if you don't have that plan and you haven't taken those steps in advance, it is going to be difficult. Unless you have MacGyver on speed dial. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So we'll talk a little bit more about disaster planning in the second half as well, but you bring up some great points already. Um, So before we end the first half of the podcast here, are there resources available for attorneys and law firms who have been uh, affected by natural disasters, as well as their families and colleagues who may be struggling also? Yeah, 
you know, there is. Uh, once again, if you do an Internet search on disaster planning, disaster preparedness, what to do after a disaster, you can find a number of resources. But for lawyers, the first thing I would suggest is take a look at your state bar association's website and see what resources may be available there. Um, I know that a number of state bars have resources. Wisconsin has um, a disaster uh, resources page with links to various organizations um, and uh, support documents to use. Um, my program, my uh, law office management assistance program, can provide assistance in that just as yours can. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you've got a, a practice management assistance program in your state, you should check with them um, as well. The ABA, Legal Technology Resource Center, has a great page um, on disaster planning and recovery with checklists and articles. So that's another uh, terrific resource, and they even have links to sample plans. Uh, the ABA also has uh, a, a disaster planning uh, page with links to uh, resources not only for lawyers but for their families as well. Of course, there's the Federal Emergency Management Association, FEMA of New Orleans fame and and misfortune, Um, but they do have a lot of resources online. Mm -hmm. From the business perspective, the Small Business Administration has resources as well as their emergency loan programs uh, that when areas have been declared disaster areas are available for small business owners, which includes attorneys, um, to get financial help to help them get back up and running and to get the necessary equipment, space, uh, and resources to reestablish their practice. From a family perspective, I think one of the greatest resources, of course, is the Red Cross Mm -hmm. uh, and their website. So you really need to look at those things. The Internet is a wonderful tool in this instance. Um, use it, and you'll find all kinds of resources that are available. Absolutely. Broad, a broad array of resources as well. Um, so let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and talk about how you can plan for a disaster. Uh, we'll have more with Nerino Petro when we come back. But before we do, a word from our sponsors, Clio and Catuno Court Reporting. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the role of security in cloud computing. Jack, what about security? Are there any ethical or security-related concerns that need to be addressed with cloud computing? We're starting to see the first ethics opinions come out on cloud computing, and the early proposed ethics opinions like that from the North Carolina State Bar indicate that there are no ethical issues relating to the use of cloud computing in a law firm, but that as with the use of any third-party provider, an appropriate amount of due diligence needs to be undertaken to verify that the provider you're using has implemented an adequate level of security and privacy precautions and is essentially taking due care with your confidential client data. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot Catuno Court Reporting and Stantel Transcription have been providing innovative dictation and transcription services since 1966. Our patented technologies and compliance solutions continue to set the standard for the legal community. Find out more about how we can create your legal toolkit at katuno.cc. That's C-A-T-U-O-G-N-O dot C-C. Or call 888-228-8646. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. 
Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. All right, welcome back to the Legal Toolkit on Legal Talk Network. Today I'm joined by Nerino Petro, the Practice Management Advisor from the Law Office Management Assistance Program of the State Bar of Wisconsin. All right, Nerino, so let's talk about some stuff that we can do in advance of a disaster to prepare as a law firm. Um, Every law firm should probably have a disaster recovery plan. What are the chief inputs for a plan like that? Well, I I think there are a number of things. Um, One great resource for looking at a model plan is the essential form book from the ABA. But I think some of the things that just that you need to be uh, thinking of is think about how you will operate your office. You know, if it was physically destroyed or you weren't able to access it for an extended period of time, how are you going to practice law, how are you going to provide legal representation to your clients, and how are you going to coordinate with staff? So you need to be thinking about those things. You need to be thinking about what are we going to do in the event that utilities are down? How are we going to communicate? How are we going to reestablish communications with staff? How are we going to communicate with our clients? Because, you know, while a disaster may affect a certain area of a town, it may not affect the entire area or the county, and your client's legal needs continue to move ahead uh, regardless of the fact that your office may be destroyed. So yep. you need to be thinking about those. At a minimum, what are you going to need to get back into operation? You're going to need a way to communicate, telephone, internet connection, uh, cell mm-hmm. phone. You're going to need a computer or computers. You're going to need ways to generate documents. You're going to need a printer. What other documents are you going to need? Uh, the nice thing about the modern ages, if you do have internet access, there are so many of the resources that we use as lawyers today, like uh, internet research, access to forms, uh, court websites and things that are available without the need to physically be present at the location uh, and to gain information electronically uh, Mm -hmm. through a robust network, which is the internet. Yep. Yep. Um, now, in the disaster planning process, um, you're also talking about backing up files as well. As we talked about before, if you don't have your files backed up, it's very difficult to get them back. So what's a modern uh, backup plan for data for a law firm? Well, each office is going to be a little different, but I think there's some general concepts that apply to uh, all offices of any size, whether you're a solo or you're a 500 attorney firm. And basically, it's a layered backup strategy. Um, And the first layer is protecting the data that's in the office from a hardware failure uh, if something happens to the computer or the hard drive, because hard drives do fail. And so in the office environment, if you're running a small network and you have a server, or even if you've just got a, a Windows computer that you're using, as a server, ideally what you have is what's known as a RAID, a redundant array of inexpensive drives. And what gets written to one drive gets written to the other. So if one of the drives goes bad, the other drive just picks up the workload and you can keep going until you can replace the drive. So that's layer one. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that server, then I think you need to have some type of uh, connected storage that as you are writing something to your computer's hard drive, that copies are being made in real time or as close to that as possible to an external mm-hmm. storage device of some kind, an external hard drive or whatever. Uh, the IOSafe uh, indestructible back drives are, 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 are a good example. You know, mm-hmm. they, you can drop them off buildings, all that kind of good stuff, run over them with construction <laughs> equipment. They keep going. But there's all <laughs> kinds of devices. But the idea is you're making a duplicate copy in case something happens to your hardware. The next step, and this is for total data, is off-site local storage. In other words, you're going to make a backup on a regular basis. 
generally weekly, uh, and you're going to take that and you're going to take it off-premise to your home or, or rotate it with your staff. And, of course, you always want to protect that with passwords and encryption. Um, but the idea is that if something happens to the office, you've got a copy of all of your data uh, at a remote location. And external hard drives are terrific for this. The prices have really come down. They're very portable, uh, and any computer system can read them. And you don't have to worry about having a compatible hardware to drop a drive in. So I think that that's the next stage. And the final yeah. stage is the online backup. That's mm -hmm. the, that data that you absolutely have. Uh, that's your, your go to Hades plan. Your back's against the wall. Uh, what data you absolutely have to have. Maybe it's your time and billing and accounting information. Maybe it's your core um, you know, files and folders. You're not going to back up your entire system simply because it takes too long, even with modern um, bandwidth that we have on the internet. But yep. it's a layered backup strategy. It's to prevent the hardware failures, the, the disasters to the office, flood, tornado, whatever. And then if the entire community has been wiped out, your key data is stored um, somewhere else, generally in another state, online. Mm. Go to Hades plan, by the way, is now going to be in my lexicon moving forward. I like that. <laughs> uh, so backup attorneys are something that every every lawyer should have. Solo attorneys, firms, each of the attorneys should have uh, backup lawyers. Um, in the context of disaster planning, what role do backup attorneys play? Well, they play a very important role because, especially if you're a solo or in a very small firm, I mean, even with a firm, you've, you can rely on your, your fellow uh, firm members. But as a solo, you've got nobody. So it's critical because if you're out of commission – your clients aren't being represented. I think the first thing you need to do, of course, is to look to your state's rules of professional conduct to see what, if any, provisions are provided for in the event of the death, disability, or incapacity of a solo attorney. Now, that's the starting point, but that's not necessarily what you want to rely on. That's the worst-case scenario. But mm -hmm. with those rules in mind, you can then take steps that will give you control uh, in the event that something like that happens to select uh, who you want to stand in for you rather than relying on the rules and perhaps someone else filing a petition under those rules and someone being appointed as a trustee attorney that you really wouldn't want um, working on your firm while you're doing things. And plus, under the rules generally, their powers are very limited. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is you want to find somebody uh, who will agree to cover your practice. Then ideally you create a written agreement with that other attorney, uh, which may even include a limited power of attorney in the event of your incapacity uh, or disability to allow them to access records uh, and your accounts. And mm -hmm. so with that, they then become your stand-in. Of course, there's the issues about conflicts and everything that you need to be aware of, and so does the other attorney. But generally, with that, and you can also then let your clients know that, if, especially if you're disabled, it's going to be a period of time or something, that this attorney is stepping in for you. But then, of course, under the rules of professional conduct, and the ethics opinions, you can also provide them an opportunity to take their file elsewhere. But you're indicating to them by doing this that you are on top of it, you are prepared, and that you've taken steps to protect their legal interests. Wow, we covered a lot of ground today. I'm tired, so I think I'm going to call it a show. That'll do it for this edition of the Legal Toolkit. Remember that you can check out all of our shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And I'd like to offer special thanks to my guest today, Nerino Petro, who is by far one of the most tech-savvy lawyers you'll know. Um, thanks, Nerino, for coming on the show, talking about this important issue. If any of our listeners want to learn more about you or your program, how could they go about doing so? 
Well, they can, of course, uh, come to the State Bar's website, which is www.wisbar.org, wisbar.org, and click on the Practice Management tab, and they'll come to uh, my program. Otherwise, they can check out my blog at www.compujurist.com or by phone at the number listed on the website. Great. Thanks, Norino. Uh, now, if any of you out there want to help uh, those folks who have been affected by tornadoes in Tuscaloosa, Joplin, and Springfield, as Noreen mentioned, uh, consider a donation to the Red Cross. And don't forget to join us here next time when we have another great internet radio program on the Legal Toolkit. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Legal Toolkit. You can subscribe to the RSS feed and hear Jared every month right here on The Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Gee Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.